Boom Blast. And we are live. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post-game show. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and this episode of Wrap It Up is brought to you by Clean Cuts Barbershop, 2013 Danforth Avenue in the East End of Toronto. Clean Cuts, the multicultural barbers that will always keep you fresh for any and all occasions. So go see Skip and the crew, and as a wise man once said, tell them that I sent you. Check them out on Instagram at Clean Cuts Toronto, or give them a call, 416 416- 9174833 Raptor fans, how you doing? What is going on? Thanks for joining me here live on Twitter. As always, we take your comments, questions and concerns after each and every Raptor game on Twitter at Shell Alexander. Click the box, you end up in Periscope where there's a nice little sidebar. I can see your comments and questions. Shout out to the people the live crew on Twitter and the live crew on Instagram as well. Instagram people, shouts, how you guys doing? At Sheldon Alexander, if you want to join the show live there or just comment at me whatever's going on with the with the raps. Of course, special shout out to the podcast crew, subscribing and liking and commenting on iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play. Huge shout out to the SoundCloud crew. You guys are the OGs. Appreciate all the listens. And of course, big shouts to the YouTube peoples. Those are just all the ways you can get this podcast, whether you want to listen to it live or after the fact on your own terms. Either way, we got you covered. And boy, I thought the Raptors had this game covered for a while until the end there, right? The Raptors know how to, you know, make Make Raptors fans sweat, you know? Make Nick Nurse, can't make things easy for Nick Nurse. But here's the thing, right? The Sixers are a good team, we know that. The Sixers were coming off, this is their first game coming off a West Coast road trip. So you kind of know that it might take them a little while to get their legs, get things going. And so other things you know about this team, the Sixers come in at, they're one of the best teams at home in the NBA, right? They're 21-5 and at home. Meanwhile, they're only 13 and 14 on the road. This is coming into this game, right? Their point differential, for example, on the road, minus 2.8. At home, plus 10. This is just a much better team at home. And you you saw elements of that as to why that happens in this game. Because you could see as they started to make their runs, the crowd starts to get into it. They got young guys that feed off that crowd, namely Joel Embiid. But... It was interesting to see how the Raptors took that punch and handled it down the stretch. Did things go how you wanted to as a Raptor fan down the stretch? I mean, they won. It wasn't pretty, but they hung on and won the game. And we'll, we'll get to some of that stuff later on, but let's go through just in terms of what happened in the game because I feel like the end was interesting. The end, I feel like there are a lot of people probably thinking the Raps were going to blow this game, but I actually want to give them a lot of credit because I think they did a really good job and changed a lot of things that we saw them do normally in crunch time this season. I'll start with this, okay? Normally, you see a lot of, okay, well, we're going to give the ball to Kawhi. Kawhi's either going to go ISO or maybe we'll let Kawhi go screen and roll. They didn't really do that that much. Instead, what you saw was they had... Kawhi come off a couple screens he gets the ball on top of the key but he's curling off a screen getting the ball and continuing his motion to the basket the other thing you'll notice late that they're doing with Kawhi is they're getting him the ball at the free throw line or the free throw line extended that way he's basically one dribble away from the bucket 
But either way, it's not about, you know, one dribble, two dribble, pull up. It's more getting to the basket. He's trying to score with contact or bare minimum, he's going to get to the line. And did Kawhi got to the line in this game, right? That's a major theme in this game because he didn't shoot well. Three of 11 from the floor for Kawhi Leonard, but 16 of 17 from the free throw line. Again, three of 11 from the floor for Kawhi Leonard, including two of seven from three. But he finishes with 24 points because he was 16 of 17 from the free throw line. That is a good player figuring out a way to contribute when your shot isn't falling. Because, yeah, okay, cool. The points are great. The points are there. But how many just monster rebounds did you see Kawhi Leonard come in and get, right? He had three assists in this game. He had three, like, really nice assists because two of them late involved him driving to the basket, him taking the double team and diming it nicely. You, you might remember the one where he took the double team, drove into Embiid, someone else came over to help, and he just dumped it off to Serge. Serge gets the dunk. Kawhi Leonard, you're seeing, you know, this is the interesting part of all this is Jack mentioned it. During the playoffs, this is how teams are going to play Kawhi Leonard. They're going to force other Raptors to make shots, to make plays, and they're going to make life really, really difficult for Kawhi Leonard. And what we saw in this game was Kawhi Leonard figuring out ways to still fight through not only the tough defense and the tough double teams and a tough shooting night, but also not getting many calls. If you watch this podcast too, you know I'm not the one, I'm not the guy that sits here and blames the ref and like gets mad at the refs for not making calls and stuff. Like that's not really my MO. But there are a lot of just weird calls in this game both ways, on both sides, right? Like I thought, you know, Kawhi obviously driving to the basket, he's getting double teamed, hacked super hard, and they didn't call it. There was a play on Embiid, same thing, drove to the basket late, no call. I thought that play on Shamit where he hits the three and they called him for the foul kicking out his legs. I thought he kicked out his legs, but I didn't think he was kicking out his legs to get fouled. I just think that that was a momentum of carrying him into the shot. But they called the offensive foul, which seemed weird because that three-point play by Shamit, it was right after a bunch of non-calls, right? Like, remember, Lowry got fouled, and they didn't call it. That led to an easy basket. So you have a bunch of no calls, and you call an iffy offensive foul. That's that's mainly the reason why I don't buy into the whole blame the refs, blame the refs, because sometimes the refs are just horrible, and they're horrible for both sides. We kind of saw that tonight. But I mentioned what Kawhi Leonard was able to do and why the Raptors were successful. And the main reason why was because other people were able to get buckets. Namely, your man's Kyle Lowry. We're going to start with Kyle Lowry here just because he was a focal point heading into this game, right? If you start back from yesterday, well, Kyle Lowry didn't play on Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday, Kyle Lowry sat out that game, right? Load management, sore back, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. He says today that he probably could have played, but thought it was safer just to sit out. Cool, whatever, no no issues there. But the funny part was, yesterday, Kyle Lowry was listed as doubtful. This morning, he does the pregame availability, and he says to the media, he basically tells the media he's going to play, but on top of that, he doesn't know who said that he was doubtful, because he never said he was doubtful. <laughs> but it's just Kyle and the media, and Kyle, quote, Kyle being Kyle, right? 
add that to the narrative of the entire day where there's trade rumors popping up and you had reports out of Memphis media saying that the Raptors called uh, the Grizzlies to offer up Kyle Lowry and uh, Jonas Valanciunas for Mike Connolly and Mark Gasol. Later on, you had Raptors guys saying it didn't really go that way. It was more Memphis trying to ask the Raptors for that deal, kind of see what's going on there, but also to boost up the trade value because obviously they're trying to dump Connolly and Mark Gasol. So a lot of stuff going on that would make it kind of weird. But the reason why we knew Kyle Lowry was going to play, most of all, was because the game was in Philly, <laughs> right? If you go back to what happened a couple months ago, or I guess it would have been when? In January? No, December. When Kyle Lowry missed that, what, 10-game run that he had, right, where he missed like 10 of 11 games, I think that's what it was. The one game that he did play was he tried to gut it out and play in Philly. Raptors got blown out, but Kyle Lowry tried to give it a go. Kawhi didn't play, and Philly ran them out of the gym. This game would be a little different because Kyle Lowry came out early and Kyle Lowry was focused, which was huge for the Raptors. Because the other narrative here, obviously, was how they do in these national TV games. This game was on TNT in the States. If you remember, Raptors haven't been playing well on TNT. And in fact, the Raptors haven't been playing well against teams above 500. Their record slipped as of late. They came into this game just 15 of 13, or sorry, 15 and 13 against teams with a 500 or better record. It's not that good. So a lot of things working against the Raptors, but Kyle Lowry, it's like you need that chip on his shoulder to get the real Kyle Lowry to come out or something. You know what I mean? Like it reminded me of the start of the year when everyone's kind of worried, how's Kyle going to react? How's Kyle going to play? Boom, he came out gangbusters. Well, what happened in this game? Is Kyle's back sore? Is he the trade rumors going to bother him? All these things didn't matter. Kyle Lowry comes in, and he was balling from the get-go. He was aggressive. He started out four of five in this game, two of three from three. Kyle hit a massive three to put the Raps up 20 points early in the first half. The Raptors had a bunch of assists early, too. Like, the first half, they were just cooking, right? Kyle had a game-high 17 points early on in this game. He was doing a little bit of everything. 17 and 6 at halftime. Raptors were up 72-55. Serge was balling. Serge got to give him a lot of credit too because he matched Embiid's output in the first half in terms of minutes played, which is a lot of minutes because the Sixers have no depth at all, but also just the play on the floor. Serge matched Joel Embiid stride for stride in the first half. And the Raptors shot 52%. From the floor, 8 of 17 from 3 in that first half. But their defense, which I keep saying I think is going to be their calling card in the in the postseason, their defense. The Raptors had a bunch of turnovers, but they were 16. They were up 16 to 6 in terms of points off turnovers. That's, that's a great start, right? 19 assists to 4 turnovers early in the first half. Things were going great. Everything was going great. But what else made people get a little bit worried in this game? Well, Serge, very early on in the second, Serge ends up in foul trouble. Serge, <laughs> Serge gets his fourth foul, and then Nick Nurse decides that Serge Ibaka getting his fourth foul early in the third quarter, for some reason Nick Nurse decides to leave him in the game 
despite the fact that he's guarding Joel Embiid. So the very next play down the floor, obviously the Sixers dump it in to Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid backs it down, backs it down, gets a foul. Serge Bach has to go to the bench. In comes Greg Monroe. And this could have been a huge turning point in this game. Right? Could have been a massive turning point in this game. But Moose, Moose balled out. Moose gave the Raptors solid, solid minutes. And again, it was another example because we saw this early on in the season where the duo of Serge Ibaka and Jonas Valanciunas proved to be too much for Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid has to carry so much of a load for this team. He played 42 minutes in this game, right? But he scored 37 and 13 in this game. It's a lot of minutes and a lot of production that Joel Embiid needs to, needs to you know, produce night in, night out for this team. But if you have two big guys that force him to play on both ends of the floor, that's going to take its toll because he's not going to be able to play 42 minutes of like hard, intense defense and rebounding minutes. Like that's a lot to ask. So if you have multiple bigs to throw at Embiid, that's one way that you can slow him down and hope that as someone points out here in the Instagram chat, you hope that Embiid's tired at the end of the game. And I think that's what we saw there at the end. Like, because you got to remember, in these games that end up being, you know, decided by just a couple possessions, rebounds are so important. And what did you see at the end of the game? The Raptors missed not one, but two shots, but they end up getting the offensive rebound to kill up the clock at the end. Embiid doesn't have legs left. Whereas the Raptors, the way that they subbed, and it almost got them into trouble, but the way that they subbed their starters, namely Siakam, Kawhi, Kyle, they came back late in the game as opposed to the Sixers bigs who basically had to play the whole fourth quarter. It's kind of tough. But the other thing we want to talk about that kind of leads into the same thing is the, the rotation, okay? I've been on this for a while now about how the bench mob doesn't exist, okay? Playing the full bench unit is playing with fire. And I know that last season, everyone was in this fantasy land about how, oh, we could play 10 guys in the playoffs. We can play 11 guys in the playoffs. That's how we play in the regular season. And I kept harping on the fact that it's a playoffs. It doesn't matter. Figure out who your best eight, but maybe nine guys tops are. Who are your dudes you can ride with? And roll with that. And you got to work towards that, towards the playoffs. But here we are. It's still the regular season. I understand you're going to have, you know, tough games, difficult games at different points where, you know, you need your bench because it's too much to to put on Kyle Lowry in the regular season. It's too much to put on uh, Kawhi Leonard in the regular season. And I get it. But I would like to think that in the big boy games, you got to tighten your bench and... The fact that, you know, if you're going to roll out this full bench mob in the first half, second half, we can't have that same thing going down, right? And I think when you look at the bench unit for the Raptors, Norman Powell is proving himself to be probably the best bench guy, come like, consistently as of late. Norman Powell, when he's been healthy and in the lineup, Norm is proving to be your best player off the bench. Norm had a great game tonight. Five of six shooting from Norm, 14 points. Norm Norm is doing it. He's getting buckets. He's giving you scoring off the bench. 
There's no rebounding. There wasn't much assists or anything like that. But Norm is scoring off the bench. Great comment here. That's timely, so I'll read it. it. says, bench is going to be fine when JV returns. Watch and see. They're missing at least 15 points without him. It's interesting because it's a very valid point. Maybe that balances out the bench a little more, makes it so that you don't need to have Norm and DeLon or Norm and Van Fleet all play well because you're getting solid production out of whether it's JV and and Norm or it's Surge and Norm. Either way, though, the way that things are working now for the Raptors bench, I don't really trust the full bench unit together. And Nurse seems to be running himself into trouble sometimes. Like he's, he's tap dancing. He's playing with fire in terms of leaving the bench in for way too long. And in this game, the Raps were up by at least, what, 20? Maybe even 21, I think it was, the, the largest lead of the game. And you saw the Sixers start to make a run. The Sixers' run was coming. The Sixers' run was coming. Because here, here's the thing. Norm, again, hit that tough layup at the end of the third quarter, right? The Raps were still doing it big. They're still up a lot, almost up 20 at the end of three. And the fourth quarter was key because you had the full bench in, again, DeLon, Freddie, Norm, OG, and Moose. But you were against the Sixers starters, right? And forget about the other two guys, but really we're talking about Simmons, Embiid, and Jimmy Butler right? At first, the Raptors held their own. The Raptors were doing their thing. Monroe was getting back-to-back buckets. He was killing it in the paint. And again, I go back to the fact that Embiid, in those minutes that he's playing right there, normal circumstances, he's able to get busy against other teams' backups. The Raptors are out here with their third-string center, who is more than serviceable in terms of Greg Monroe. Monroe was getting buckets, right? But slowly, the Sixers started to gain some momentum. Yes, as people are reminding me in the chat, there were some terrible calls to help out along the way. But the Sixers started to gain momentum, and the bench was start kind of running out of gas. And one thing, there's an argument right now going on in the Instagram chat about OG. And I did get a couple text messages as well, too, with people asking about OG's play this year. And the one thing I feel like, other than, you know, just it being a difficult year in terms of him dealing with a lot of off-court stuff, the other thing I find that is very tough for OG this year is just the minutes. Because he's getting a lot of minutes where he has to play basically the four, right? And not only is that a tough matchup for him, but also, like, it's a tough guard, but also it's tough where he's going to get his shots. Because... Here's the reality of it. DeLon and Fred obviously do a lot of the ball handling, right? You've seen the elevation of Norm's status to where Norm does a lot of ball handling too. That means a lot of OG shots are just going to come from, oh, you're in the ball, you get the ball in the corner, you got to shoot this three. And you see him kind of rush shooting the threes in the corner because that's kind of the only place where he's getting his shots, right? And if he's going to be the player that we're told that he's going to be, he kind of has to get his shots in other ways than just standing in the three, standing in the corner and shooting the three whenever the ball gets swung to him, right? There has to be some opportunities for him to dribble the ball, for him to make plays, for him to be involved in the dribble handoffs. 
and we're not really seeing that. But it's tough because with the way that Norman Powell is playing, there's not enough perimeter minutes to go around for OG and Anobi. So he's having to play the four, and it's tough for him. It's really tough for him, and we're seeing him struggle. But overall, again, the bench was held in for a little too long, again, and I feel like by the time you're up 20, you're dancing around 20-ish, but by the time, again, that's a lot of minutes of Simmons, Butler, and Embiid playing against your bench. By the time Kawhi and Kyle come back in, it's only 12. Now, they're rested, right? The Sixers aren't because those guys have had to play, but now they're hot. Now they're feeling themselves. Now the crowd's kind of rocking. And you saw Embiid start to feel himself a little, right? You saw Embiid get the ball in the post. He had that and one over Kawhi. That was a tough bucket, right? Combine that with the Raptors at one point shooting three of 11 in the fourth. And it was just tough. Kawhi had a turnover. Again, Kawhi didn't really play that well offensively. He got to the line, made some nice passes, but shooting the ball... And he had a lot of weird turnovers, his ball handle, like his handle, which is normally tight, seemed he seemed very loose with the ball tonight as well. But Embiid, off one of those Kawhi turnovers, Embiid came back, hit a tough jumper, 9-0 run, made it a seven-point game. And I know I couldn't be the only Raptor fan that was sitting there watching this game like, oh no, this would be a horrible, horrible loss if you're the Toronto Raptors to blow this game in Philly, but Embiid was going back, and he's hyping up the crowd, he's doing that thing, you know, the Sixers fans are starting to get into it, the crowd is loud, and really, it was a crapshoot in terms of where the calls were going, but what happens next? Nick's nurse, gotta give him credit, because he called a solid timeout, right? Calls a solid timeout, what happened? As mentioned before, Kawhi drives, accepts the double team, dimes it to surge for the dunk, there's a nine-point lead with five minutes left to go in the game, right? And the Raptors just made plays down the stretch in terms of getting offensive rebounds, which were key because you're playing against the clock just as much as you're playing against the Sixers, right? So anytime you're getting an offensive rebound, that's just more time that you have possession of the ball and they can't score. And the Raptors basically hung on at the end. They made enough plays at the end, but they hung on. And... They scored some buckets. It was all right. They scored enough buckets, I guess. But the offensive rebounds, to me, were the key. That's where they iced it. But the comeback is also summed up, in, in fact, by this stat, where the Raptors started the game from three, shooting eight of 15 from three-point land. But their next 16 shots, they only hit three of them. <laughs> so they finished three of 16 from three. That's not good. Not good. But hey. They hang on, win the game. And at the end of the day, when you look at this and we keep saying, right, one of the themes, your stars got to play like your stars on the road in these big time games. And you go to the box score and Kawhi gutted out a 24 point game high, or sorry, Raptors team high, 24 points. Kawhi guts that out. Kyle Lowry with 20 points. He hit five threes in this game. Also add in six assists. Solid game for Kyle Lowry. Pascal, 16 points on 7 of 15 shooting. Well, you'll take it. 16 points, 6 rebounds from Pascal. He had a solid game as well. But I keep having arguments with people about Pascal 
and it's not that I don't think Pascal is good. Pascal is great, and I think he's going to be a really, really, really good player. He's a solid role player, a very good role player, and a very important part of this team. But it's almost as if the hype surrounding Pascal, it doesn't give enough love or doesn't leave enough love for what Serge Ibaka is doing and what Serge Ibaka has done, especially without Jonas Valanciunas in the lineup. Serge, 20-10 and 10 tonight against Joel Embiid. 10 of 15 from the floor. That is efficient shooting from Serge. Serge played great in this game. Serge has been playing great. Someone in the in the chat says, I'm a Pascal hater. How am I a Pascal hater? I just said he had 16 points, six rebounds, played great. He had a great game. All I'm saying is as we continue to gas up Pascal, we're forgetting about Serge. Serge is playing really great. Let's not forget about Serge. Serge took on the matchup of going head-to-head -head with Joel Embiid. And if you go into the game, you think that's not a favorable matchup for the Raptors at all. But Serge held his own. And Serge has been holding us down for this whole season. And even when JV went down, Serge has still been doing it. Now, someone in the chat here on Instagram, same person that calls me a Pascal hater, which is funny. It's okay, though. Uh, says, Serge's game is expected. Really? By who? <laughs> Who's expecting this from Serge? Right? Next comment says, OKC Serge here to stay. Yo, man. Serge is digging into the archives. He's averaging pretty much his, big, his best numbers since the OKC years. And even still, I think this is pretty close to career high numbers from Serge Ibaka. Like, what Serge is doing is completely getting dissed by this this like fan base i feel like that's all i'm saying like there's no hate on pascal siakam what pascal siakam is doing is outstanding but for the record serge Ibaka is averaging career high in points and just under what a rebound shy of averaging a career high in rebounds but he's averaging a career high in points who expected that i didn't expect that did you, if you guys expected that, let me know. All I'm saying is all the hype for Pascal is deserved, but give some of that hype, or sorry, all the hype for Pascal is deserved, but give some of that hype to Serge Ibaka as well. The way that those two guys have been playing has been massive for the Toronto Raptors this season. That's all I'm saying. And whoever deserves the credit, because I feel like Kyle Lowry deserves a lot of credit for, I think, was it... Uh, Eric Kareen wrote the article talking about how Lowry kind of took a bunch of the rust stuff in terms of in, in terms of just running the screen and roll, the pick and pop with Surge. Like, you feed him, get him that elbow jumper, and he just cooks from there. Like, we're seeing that. And it's, it's becoming a thing where if he's in that radius of the elbow, Surge is knocking that down. Uh, let's see. A lot of Surge talk coming here so i'm going to read a bunch of these comments because this is an interesting topic to me right i think surge is having a really good year and it's under the radar um yeah someone says uh p spice is nice but surge is surging for real i see what you did there with that wordplay uh someone says who is forgetting about surge he's a lion <laughs> uh more comments nurse has put surge in great positions and he is comfortable it's true, right? We go back to the story from the offseason. And it was reported that Nick Nurse 
went out to see Serge in Miami or LA. I can't remember which one it was, which locale Serge Ibaka was staying in the summer, but essentially they had a full talk about how they want to use Serge and how they were going to put him in a position to succeed, which means, but also prepare him for the fact that he could be coming off the bench. And that was from the offseason. So you have a lot of time to mentally prepare for that. But also, once you know that you could be coming off the bench, now you mentally come in playing harder because you're kind of fighting for minutes, right? Also, Masai was very vocal about the fact that he needed more from Serge. And he, he got it. He got it. He challenged Serge Ibaka to play better, and Serge has done that and more. All I'm saying, shouts to Serge. More comments. Serge should have been considered for the All-Star team. He was overlooked. Again, I agree with that comment just before, because my thing was, if we're considering Pascal for the All-Star game, how are we not considering Serge? If Serge's numbers were just as good, if not better, in some categories. Right? Uh... Someone else says, I keep saying it, Ibaka most improved. I still don't think that's a thing. I think it's more uh, Pascal's growth is more of a surprise to people. And that's why, you know, where he's getting all the headlines and stuff. But, hey, Serge has played great, man. Another comment, I expected Serge to play this well last year. Or, sorry, I expected Serge to play this well. Casey destroyed him last year. I don't think that I'm going to blame that on Casey. I think Casey... I don't think Casey destroyed him. I think Casey was still just playing in the NBA that he knows in terms of, you know, I play JV at the five and Serge at the four. And I mean, if you watch what Dwayne Casey's doing right now, it's the same thing, right? He has Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. Now, the Pistons aren't doing too well <laughs> with that duo, but it's more of a traditional lineup, right? More comments. We expected this kind of game from Serge, considering his contract, whereas Pascal completely surprised everyone with his impact. Totally agree. No, I see what you guys are saying. I, I, I understand that. That's that's true. Uh, someone says, got to give props to Russell. Apparently, Kyle asked Russ how to get Serge going. That's what I was talking about. I'm pretty sure, uh, Len, let me know. I'm pretty sure it was an article written by Eric Kareen that talked about that today, right? In which Kyle Lowry got some tips from Russ how to feed Serge Ibaka. And hey, it's worked. It's definitely worked. Uh, Serge rises up when he played with superstar talent like KD. Now it's with Kawhi. I think he feeds off that energy. And yeah, I mean, what Serge has done, again, it's been great for this team. Um, more comments, though. Let me go. And it's funny because I'm still seeing the same uh, group text conversation that I was telling you guys about. That is still going on right now because messages are still popping up on my iPad here of that conversation about Anthony Davis is still going on. Maybe before we end this pod, I'll give you guys a little glimpse into what's being said in this group text because it's amazing. For those, for longtime fans of Ball on Blast, a group text was actually a group that I had on here is with my uh, Centennial College crew. If you remember, we did one of the wrap it up shows with them. So they won't mind me taking the group text and putting it on the podcast so I'll, I'll go to that in a bit but let me get to some comments here uh that are on twitter someone says uh lowry clearly saw sorry lowry clearly saw the trade rumors lowry really ain't want to be traded i think that's kind of funny but also kind of true because again at the end of the day you much rather salty as people might say he Kyle Lowry is. You definitely would rather play here in Toronto, 
than be in Memphis playing for the lottery, right? So at the end of the day, Kyle Lowry's a gamer. Plus add in the fact that the game was in Philly. Oh, he's ready for this game tonight, right? He's ready. That's just what it's going to be. So that's the first part. Secondly, I mean, he hears what's being said, right? He knows what's being said. We know that these guys see everything. They pay attention to everything. I'll tell you from my normal day job <laughs> that, like, we know firsthand that those guys pay attention to everything that's being said. I'll just leave it on that because, obviously, there's political connects that I'm not going to cross that line. But point remains, these guys see what's being said. And so it's just a thing where, you know, Kyle Lowry's a gamer. He's going to show up. He's going to ball out. He might need that little chip on his shoulder to get himself going. But we saw him tonight. Uh, someone says Embiid looked like he ran a 50, 50 kilometers at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, my guy was tired, and he's going to be tired. He put in work in this game, right? And you could tell, again, the key to this game at the very end was the offensive rebounds the Raptors were able to get while the Sixers were making this run, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, more people talking about the bad calls. Uh, someone shouting out Moose. Moose gave the six almost gave the 76ers a comeback. I'm not mad at Moose. Moose gave them good minutes. He probably just ended up being, like, stayed in for too long. You know what I mean? I think he just stayed in for too long, which isn't really his fault. Not mad at that. Uh, DeLon has got to be featured, and he is incredibly important. I think that's the biggest thing with the bench mob, right? DeLon and Norm bring energy, no matter what. If their shots aren't falling, DeLon and Norm still play good defense, they're still super athletic, and they get busy. The shots might not fall, but they're always trying. Uh, let's see. Any more comments? Oh, one thing I want to ask you guys. With the rumors talking about Kyle Lowry and Memphis, and I guess the fact of Mike Connolly being involved, would people be for trading Kyle Lowry? Like, first off, let's start... Let's start with the first rumor. As of right now, I haven't seen it come across Twitter, so I'm assuming the trade hasn't happened yet with uh, Mark Gasol heading to the Hornets, as was rumored earlier on in the night, and I'm pretty sure Mark Gasol sat out tonight. But with those rumors, what do we think in terms of trading Kyle Lowry, JV, for some form of Mark Gasol and Connolly. Would people be down for that trade? Like, is Mike Connolly an upgrade to Kyle Lowry at this point? What do you guys think? I want to hear your comments on both chats live. And of course, people are listening to the podcast after. Feel free to comment in the comment section wherever you listen to this podcast. But it's interesting because as this, as this, like, as these tweets started funneling out today, we were having a conversation about it in the newsroom and it was super funny because. It was such polarizing opinions. And I'm always here for those opinions, right? Because I might have my opinion, but I don't think I'm right. I don't know if I'm right. But I enjoy just hearing other basketball fans' take and what they think about the situation. Because to me, to be honest, even if you think Mike Connolly is a marginal upgrade or not even an upgrade to Kyle Lowry, I've been saying since this stuff came getting the injections in his back, I'm more worried about his back holding up into a long playoff because 
right? He's going to play through the injury. But is he going to be able to play and play at the elite level, the all-star level that the Raptors need him to be if they are going to make it to the NBA Finals? That's what worries me. So to me, it was more kind of make this trade. Kyle Lowry, he has a back trouble. Connolly is injury prone. At least he's been healthy this season, right? So I would almost take that. Now, the risk is you're taking on an extra year of Connolly at basically the same number that Kyle Lowry makes. But I also thought the side of that was Mark Gasol is definitely an upgrade to your front court. Like, definitely an upgrade. And I think he would get busy in the Eastern Conference, right? He's a great matchup for Joel Embiid. I think he gives Al Horford the business and could match up with Al Horford. And he could give Brooke Lopez or Robin Lopez, whichever Lopez twin the Bucks have, uh, Brooke Lopez, right? He could give him the business too. So I think Gasol would be a super upgrade. But I was intrigued by that move because overall I think the Raptors need an upgrade because they need another player that can get you 25 on any given night and you wouldn't be surprised by that player giving you 25. Because if Kyle scored 25 tonight, we if Pascal gave us 25 the next game, we'd be surprised, right? Now, if Bradley Beal, and I'm not saying Bradley Beal is still available, but I'm using it as an example. If you had Bradley Beal and he gives you 25, you're like, oh, okay. Anthony Davis, we know the work that he does. <laughs> That's a whole other story for another day with the Lakers. But do you know what I mean? You need another guy that if he gave you 25 points in a game, you wouldn't be surprised. So that's why I was intrigued by the Connolly and Gasol rumors. But let me go to the chat here because I see some things piling in. Uh, let me check Twitter first. Uh, oh, sorry. Let me. Oh, someone says, you're absolutely right. Serge has been a monster. Uh, moving Serge to the five was the reason Nick got the job. Interesting take, and I think it's really accurate. I mean, Nick Nurse obviously you would assume that in his pitch or his interview uh, that that would have been one of the things he would talk about in terms of ideas that he would have on how he was going to use the team, right? Uh, let's see. So we were talking again about the rumored trades of adding Mike Connolly or, and or Mark Gasol to the Raptors and what people thought of that. So let me read some comments. First comment says, that trade won't keep Kawhi in town. Um, I don't know. I just think that, we don't know, like, we don't know what will keep Kawhi, in, but we know that what will give us a better chance of signing Kawhi and keeping him in town will be winning, <laughs> right? So would adding Mark Gasol and uh, Mike Connolly Jr., would that add to winning? I think it would, but who knows? Another comment here from it, from uh, Twitter says, Lowry for Connolly is the worst trade imaginable for both teams. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some people would look at it as trading, you know, you're trading an injured Kyle Lowry for one extra year of a normally injured Mike Connolly. But it's it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. Uh, more comments here from Instagram. Van Fleet and JV for Gasol and Connolly makes more sense. Uh, you'd have to do more. You'd have to add in a lot more to make the money match. So that trade doesn't really work. Uh, more comments. Someone says, Connolly and Gasol are washed, horrible trade. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that uh, if you do think that they're washed, I feel like 
going to a winning team and being in a winning situation would give them a little extra juice, you know, might get, add a little pep in their step and would add a little, like definitely Marcus all is a, is a definite upgrade for the Raptors front court. And he automatically is one of the better big men in the, in the Eastern conference. So I, I wouldn't be mad at that move at all. Solid defender. He can step out, knock the three. He's a rebounder, which we know the Raptors at times have problems with their rebounding. He's an upgrade over Jonas Valanciunas. It's the only way to look at it, no? Uh, let's see. Someone says, I don't think the Grizz would make that trade. Maybe if we add Norm. That's interesting because the money would work out if the Raptors add another young piece because the other reason why the Grizzlies you know, would even consider that yeah, you're losing one year of Connolly's mega deal, but I think the sweetener would have to be another young piece, whether it's Fred or DeLon or OG, which I don't think Masai would want to give up, but it's interesting. I'm also just here for how that all went down in terms of the Memphis reporter tweeting out that story first, and then the Raptors reporters jumping on board saying, giving the flip side saying, well, actually it was more coming from Memphis asking Toronto if they're interesting if they're interested in the deal and Toronto didn't really you know balk at it but the thing that I found weird was there's just a lot of information in that Raptors in that first initial uh comment about the trade right like it was talking about how Lowry is aware of the trade rumors or uh, the com the trade talk Lowry was aware of it it was mentioned about you know there's just a lot of intricate details that, like, there had to be a little bit of smoke there. But with a couple days before the NBA trade deadline, I'm just super intrigued because if we break it down, go back to when the DeMar DeRozan trade happened, right? That story started with all American writers, all the beat guys for the Spurs. We didn't really hear much from Raptors' side of things because things don't leak from Masai's, Masai's side of things, right? So I bring that up to say this. We've heard Masai be involved in, like someone's reported already, that the Raptors put together a package for Anthony Davis. We've heard already that Masai from Woj said that Masai was, or the Raptors were one of the teams that put the, a package together for Kristaps Porzingis. And we know that Ken Berger reported that Masai put together a package for Bradley Beal, or they were interested in adding an elite shooting guard, right? So that means there's talk anyways of the Raptors being involved in all of these big time people who are supposed, and I'm doing air quotes here for people that are just listening to the pod, but they're involved in all these things. I want to see what ends up actually happening, but I feel like if Masai is, is mixing and mingling in these trade talks, there's got to be something coming up for the trade deadline. So I'm super excited to see that. But sorry, I'm going to read more of your comments because I asked a question. So now I want to read your answers. Uh, Austin says, I don't think the Grizz would take that trade. Uh, maybe if we added Norm. Oh, I already read that. Another comment. Lowry is the leader of the Raptors. He wants to win. He's going to turn it up. He has a better team to win with. Yeah, that's it's super interesting. Lowry, if we saw it tonight, if Lowry is aware of the trade talk and all of a sudden he comes out gangbusters tonight, it's interesting. Uh, someone says Marc Gasol can shoot threes. I totally agree. Marc Gasol is a solid, solid big man. Um, another comment. 
on Instagram. A shakeup like that would completely affect the stability of this team. They need to add a second score alongside Kyle and Kawhi. Interesting. Uh, more comments. I don't know if I agree with that. It's it's obviously that'd be the ideal scenario because you're still keeping Kyle Lowry, who obviously has played such a key, a vital role in Serge Ibaka's season, in Pascal Siakam's season. So, you know, in, in a perfect world, you'd like to do, keep Kyle Lowry, but I guess you'd only give him up if you feel like you're upgrading your team, right? And you trust, you. if you're not bringing in a point guard to upgrade, then you're bringing in another position and upgrading it, and you're really trusting Fred Van Fleet and DeLon Wright, which is a lot to ask, I think. More comments here from Instagram. Uh, Lowry needs LeBron's doctors in Miami. <laughs> That's funny. That's a pretty good one. Uh, someone else says, Leo said in the halftime report that his sources said it was fake and Memphis was trying to raise value of the Connolly and Gasol. Yeah, Leo said that. I think Michael Grange put that out on Twitter as well. Um, someone else, I want to say Josh Lewenberg also said something to that, to that effect. So... Yeah, like that was a, the the spiel put out on the Raptor side of things was this was more about Memphis trying to see what their guys were worth. They were the ones that reached out to the Raptors and asked, who knows what the truth is? Doesn't really matter. Bottom line is there's talk going on, right? Uh, someone says, as trash as Lowry is playing, no, they wouldn't do the deal. Uh, more comments. I think they will focus harder after the trade deadline when they all feel safe. It's an interesting point to bring up, especially when you look at what's going on with Anthony Davis and the Lakers. <laughs> like the Lakers completely just no showed tonight in Indiana and got blown out. And how difficult must it be for that team when half the roster is rumored to be on the brink of being moved? Right? Like that, that's something that has to be sorted out soon. And I guess he can count your blessings, Raptor fans, that that's not the same situation that the Raptors are going through here. Uh, more comments. Uh, they need an addition, not a takeaway from the core of the team. Uh, more comments. They will be playing. Oh, no, sorry. Let's see. Uh, even though Lowry played good today, he's not consistent. Another comment. Why aren't the Pelicans interested in the Raptors offer? I don't know what the Pelicans are interested in, right? I mean, I think the Raptors offer, they take the Raptors offer if they really want to spite AD and the Lakers in terms of just not giving them what they want. But let's be serious. If you're the Pelicans and you're telling me that you can get Kuzma, Ball, Ingram, add in whatever vets, whether it's Lance, Rondo, whatever, and two first-round picks, where on earth are you getting a better deal than that? Then you hear all the talk about four first-round picks they want. Like, that's that's just crazy. That's ridiculous. Nobody's giving you that deal. And plus, the talk of waiting for Boston, who's here waiting to trust Danny Ainge? Right? Why is Danny Ainge like, and I saw a report that Danny Ainge isn't even guaranteeing that Tatum would be in the deal. What? Like, that doesn't make any sense. This Pelicans thing is way crazy. They've been holding him out of game. Supposedly, he wanted Anthony Davis to play last night. The Pelicans brass decided that they were going to hold him out of the game. Like, this is just a complete gong show. I hope it ends soon because I feel like 
it would be such a waste for them to hold on to him and then sit him out for the second half. Like, that'd be dumb. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's see. Damian Lillard for Lowry. I don't think that Portland would do that. That's kind of a random thing to bring up. <laughs> uh, someone's asking if we can somehow get J.J. Barea. I don't know if J.J. Barea is healthy yet, but that seems like a weird addition. I'd rather just give the minutes to Delon and Fred, but that's just me. Uh, more comments. Chemistry is important, and the Raptors need Lowry. Rest him like what they did with Kawhi and get another shooter before the deadline. I will say that seems to be the majority of what people are saying. A lot of people don't need to be, don't seem to be in on the Mike Connolly rumors. Uh, someone does say Mark Gasol, huge upgrade. Connolly, not so much, but I take him because of Lowry's back injury. Yeah, again, that's exactly where I fall. I'm just worried about Lowry's back because, again, he's going to try to play through it, right? But when you're talking about getting needles into your back to like hopefully relieve the pain, that's not something that's going to just go away while you continue to play basketball, right? So that's going to be a nagging thing that's going to come up. And it's one of those things where you could just roll over in the morning one day and your back's locked up. And what happens then, right? Lowry's going to try to play through it. So we'll never really know how bad it is until the end of the year. But that definitely worries me. And so if you can upgrade the point guard position, I would definitely do it if I'm Masai Ujiri. That's just, that's just my opinion. I don't know. Or you really trust DeLon and Fred. Either or. Uh, let's see. There's a lot of talking here, and, and really shout out to all the people commenting because really appreciate it. And again, when I'm doing these shows solo and you just see me here it's not really me because there's a bunch of people commenting on instagram and twitter and you guys really keep the show moving and i really appreciate it and and thank you guys for doing that because it really helps me out and it makes just for a better conversation right everyone's involved in the convo again i might know something here and there that i try to share along but by no means am i here thinking that i'm right and what someone else writes into me is definitely wrong we're all basketball fans watching and enjoying the game and talking about the city that we love that just happens to host a team, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, here's a comment here from my guy C. Brown. He says, off topic, but I think there's too many dudes on the bench trying to prove themselves and not working as a unit. That's pretty interesting because here's the thing with the bench mob. Everyone's fighting for minutes, right? And as mentioned, OG's in a position where he's playing, he's getting his minutes now at the four. So it's super interesting in that sense, but also it's just a breakdown in the offense, kind of the breakdown in the offense. We see at times with the Raptors starters, the bench guys aren't really cohesive yet, because if you remember Norm was in and out of the lineup a lot last year, Norm struggled. He had kind of a down year. Plus then you had Pascal with the bench, Jakob, so it's a different look altogether. They still haven't gotten used to each other yet. The Raptors haven't had their full team all together yet for a, a two-week stretch, right? So there's a lot of things at play as to why the bench doesn't look like the bench. But yeah, definitely they could work on some ball movement and running of actual plays. <laughs> but hey. Anyways, uh, let's see. Thanks for you guys for for writing in and tuning into this. Um Still trying to figure out on Thursday. So Thursday night, here's the thing. The Raptors play the Atlanta Hawks, okay? 
And Thursday, though, is also when the trade deadlines, Thursday at 3 p.m., and also the All-Star Draft is on Thursday. So a lot's going on. Normally, on Thursday, Andrew Webster and I would do the Ball on Blast podcast, but obviously there's a Raptors game as well. Raptors are playing against the Hawks. So I'm making the decision of what I'm going to do on Thursday is instead of doing the normal wrap it up podcast, I'm going to do a ball on blast podcast with Andrew Webster. We're going to wrap up the Raptors game. We're going to talk about the Raptors game. We're going to talk about NBA trade deadline, and we're going to talk about uh, the draft and all of those things will be round up. So we won't be doing the podcast live, but you'll be able to catch that Friday morning. Is that cool? Sound good to everyone? That's just what we're going to do because I feel like it's, it's, important to wrap up all those things than to talk about the Raptors beating the Hawks <laughs> who are tanking anyways. So again, of note, we will have a podcast that we will tape, but you won't be able to hear it live. It'll be available Friday morning or super late Thursday, um, Thursday evening into Friday morning, I guess. But either way, just a heads up, Ball on Blast will be here and wrap it up where the Raptors play the Knicks, I want to say. But either way, good win for the Toronto Raptors. Lots going on in Raptorland and the NBA. So much trade talk everywhere. So many rumors. Continue to comment and let me know what you guys think in terms of trades, what trades you want to see, and what trades, you know, do you want to see Lowry go? Are you okay with trading Siakam? Do you not want to trade Siakam? Let me know. Let me know what you guys think. Want to hear all of it. See all the comments or read all that. But again, Raptors win 119-107. Big road win in Philly against the Sixers. Becoming somewhat of a, a rival, the Sixers, you know. Big win for the Toronto Raptors, though, as they improved to 39-17 and with their 119-107 win over the Sixers. Again, Kyle Lowry with a big boy game in his hometown of Philadelphia. Kawhi Leonard gutting out another performance as well. And all of this in spite of Joel Embiid, who had a monster game for the Sixers, 37 and 13 for Joel Embiid. Uh, also, sorry, one thing I want to bring up about the Sixers, and I'll ask Webby about this when we do the Ball on Blast podcast on Thursday, but I didn't understand their rotation at all. It seemed really weird. Like once Embiid went to the bench, things seemed to fall apart. But, like, Jimmy Butler and their bench, or Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons should be able to hold things down for the Sixers without Embiid, no? Like, it still seems like a weird dynamic on that team. And I don't know how well this is going to work. It just seems odd. And they have zero depth. So if those three guys can't play together and you have no depth, I don't know how this is going to work for the Sixers. But just my my views, I'll, I'll find out from our resident Sixers expert, Mr. Andrew Webster. And of course, you guys, as always, let me know what you think. Again, shouts to Clean Cuts for supporting the podcast, supporting the movement, you know. So we greatly appreciate that. Shout out to you guys. And if you want to um, listen to the podcast live, again, we do this after each and every Raptor game on Twitter at Shell Alexander or on Instagram. We take your comments as well tonight at Sheldon Alexander. Twitter, it's Shell Alexander. Of course, the podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, 
just search On Blast Podcast. You'll find this feed, which has the Wrap It Up Podcast, which is a Raps postgame show, as well as the Ball On Blast Podcast, which is a once-a-week weekly breakdown of what's going on in the NBA with my guy Andrew Webster. So you can find that there. And, of course, check out all our videos on YouTube. Either just search Sheldon Alexander or Wrap It Up On Blast or Ball On Blast. Either or, YouTube, we got you covered there. Either way, like and subscribe wherever you see it. Thank you to you guys for spreading the love of the On Blast movement. As Raptor fans, this continues to be one of the most exciting seasons in franchise history. So salute to you guys. And again, my name is Sheldon Alexander. And I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Wrap It Up On Blast Raps postgame show. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time. See ya. Boom, blast.